Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's go time party people as I am packing my bags and leaving on a jet plane as I read this to you and welcome to Countdown to Classic. This is a podcast that educates, informs and gossips about World of Warcraft Classic. Each week we discuss the news, hot button issues and content of the highly anticipated Classic servers. I'm your host Josh Corbett and this is a show where it's not my opinion on World of Warcraft that can well, maybe a little bit today, but mainly yours. If you're new to the show, Countdown to Classic goes through your expert input on everything relating to the sure-to-be-amazing World of Warcraft Classic. Today, just before I walk out the door and jump on this plane to California, and I finally got that long-awaited reference to the Wizard Inn, so I've checked that box on the show. Anyone under 30 can go ahead and Google that movie. But anyway, I wanted to get an episode out to you all and bring you a take on some of the latest news involving more purported leaks of the classic demo and also, along with that, play you a few listener calls about paladins, druids, the community, rep grinds, the demo and more. As per usual, if you are enjoying these in-depth conversations that Countdown to Classic brings you on a regular basis, please do visit the show's Patreon page to see how you can help support Countdown to Classic continue to bring you more of the content that you're now so used to hearing on the show. Alternatively, you can also help the show out by mentioning the show to a friend. Talk about it in-game. Talk about what you hear on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, or wherever you're actively discussing things. Follow me on Twitch at Countdown to Classic or leave Leave the show a review on iTunes. If you want to hit me up with some feedback or submit a memory lane or anger management of your own, then you can always hit me up at feedback at countdowntoclassic.com as well. If you can't get enough of me for some reason, then please do also check out my other podcast, The Cinephiles. That's S-I-N-N-E-R-F-I-L-E-S.com. If you haven't already, for some great comedic takes on all your favorite movies between myself and my two co-hosts there. I've just published Ghost this week, and that was a bit 
bit of fun, so please do look out for that one. And a lot of you have been jumping on the cinephiles lately as the numbers have been going through the roof, so thank you so much for that. A lot of you have been writing to me saying that you've been loving laughing along with us, so we do appreciate the downloads. But with all that said, I'm just going to go ahead and launch into a bit of an elongated soliloquy about these leaks and quickly give you my take just crudely before we jump into some listener calls on other topics. Now, obviously you've all seen them by now, I'm quite sure. There have been a number of screenshots that have been leaked to the community. You've seen all the videos, perhaps, like me, you've been sitting at home over the last couple of nights and just devouring everything, watching the side-by-sides, taking everything individually, hearing the commentary and making your own uh, sort of judgment on how you feel about what's coming with the game. Now, obviously, these were some leaked screenshots that many of the content creators have been um, provided or going over. We've seen them from Tips, S-Fan, Stay Safe, Alex Sensual, all the usuals, and everyone's been putting up their own opinions. So I'll just give you my take real quick. Well, I should say this at the top before I go into this. Obviously, this is something that has been plugged into what they call a sandbox, and it's not the actual demo up and running it's a bit of you know nefarious tinkering has been going on and people are playing with values and plugging things into you know places they wouldn't necessarily go and providing us with this data now I'm throwing in the caveat straight away that, you know, we just take this again with a slight grain of salt. It's nice to sort of see that there might be some weight attached to it, but again, this could all be bullshit. Who knows? But it's probably a bit closer to reality than anything else. So I'm more than happy to comment on it. Now, the one thing that everyone has been picking up on are these classic versus modern graphics, this toggle that we debated, you know, back and forth uh, over the last few months, whether this would be an option. It very much so seems to be an option. Um, Now, that's something that you can see in the UI. They've made it look like the retail UI. It's not like the old one that we're so used to. And it's something where you can just switch with one click of a button to lower resolution, lower textures, all that jazz, just like it was back in the day. Now, the quote-unquote modern graphics do seem to be slightly updated textures, some extra foliage, shadows, things of that nature. It's not a drastic change, the update that they've made to the graphics, but it is noticeable, I'd say. Now, some people, you know, that that level of noticeability might differ from person to person. It's completely subjective. Now, there are some screenshots where I look at it and say, I can barely fucking tell the difference. And there are others where it's glaringly obvious. So I haven't actually quite come to a decision which I prefer, which some of you might be sitting at home going, oh, God, Josh, no, I I could tell straight away. I definitely prefer the classic look or, oh, my God, they've done such a great job with the modern look. I'm 100% going with that one. I'm still very much so on the fence, and it's a little bit situational for me. There are some screenshots where I go, well, it's very clear that the modern one looks better there. Or there's another one where I go, ah, fuck that. I'm going with classic. Come on, look how cool that looks. And it really is like I'm being pulled in two directions on this one. And I feel a little bit like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings talking to myself going, oh, classic is clearly better. And then I turn into the other guy and go like, you're on drugs. Look at that nice glassy water and how slick it looks. And 
on the water effects, you know, that's again, there are times where it's, I see a certain lake in those screenshots and I go, you know what, the classic look with all those choppy polygons and what looks like rough water, if you will, I like that. And then I'll turn around the next time and say, oh, look how nice and glassy and calm the canals of Stormwind look. I want that. I, who knows? You know when I'll be able to make up my mind? When I'm actually playing the demo and I get the chance to really fiddle around with it. And I don't think it will necessarily become situational then. I think by spending a few hours within the demo, we'll really get a feel for what they've done with these graphics. And then you'll be able to make an informed choice on which you prefer in the long run. And to be honest with you, I do kind of think that I'm the kind of person that once I pick one, I would just more than likely stick with it. I'm not the kind of person that would, oh, play a few levels on modern graphics and then hit the toggle and play a few levels on classic graphics. That's not really gen what I do. Um, I, I like to just ride or die with one choice. So I'll figure out early what I like and go from there. Now, in terms of the level of changes that they've made with the graphics, again, as I said, I, I don't think it's drastic. I really do think there are some screenshots where it's where you take the foliage out of the equation. It's actually quite hard to tell the difference, um, but there's others where it is glaringly obvious. So again, situationally, I'll see what I like on the whole. But um, we talk about things like the foliage, and you know, one of the things that I was laughing about is everyone's talking about grass over the last couple of days on the uh, forums, and the old adage of you know, beer then grass, you're on your ass comes to mind, but. It's one of those things where how much grass is too much grass? And all you stoners, please stop giggling while I say that. But the foliage at times to me, at times, seems like a bit much. And I'm like, whoa, 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 settle down with the fucking greenery. Like, I get it. But, you know, there's other moments, again, I'm flip-flopping here, where it seems quite nice and gives the area a bit of life. And, you know, if that's something that was the original intention of the developers, then so be it. But what I do really, really like, and obviously it's been commented on elsewhere, but if it is the case that this is actually something that is incredibly uh, optional and you can configure it to your liking in terms of the fact that it seems to be the case, you can turn off extra foliage, but turn on other elements of the graphics, such as the glassy water. Um, you know, that would be kind of cool to tinker with it that way. You know, I might be the kind of person that um, definitely doesn't necessarily sit with modern versus classic and actually lies somewhere in between. Some of you may feel the same way. Just pick and choose your own spots and see what you like. But the, the grass and the foliage, um, yeah, there are definitely times where it's almost out of control i feel like like it's so grassy i'm like yeah i mean what, what's what are we doing here we're just covering the whole land in grass i know i'm being hyperbolic and that's not you know not every area in the game is very grassy but where there is i'll just wait and see for the time and see what i like in terms of the shadows you know i'm fine with the shadows that they've done i know some people lost their minds if they change the shadows well they've given you the option and it's there so just do what you will with it now, we talk about things like toggles and options, and this was a really big sticking point for some members of the community, and quite frankly, it's here. If this is legit, it's here. Now, I've got a funny feeling something's going to happen in regards to this. We had the whole changes versus no changes argument over the last, you know, uh, year, you know, people have come and gone through the forums, tears have been shed. It's been a crazy. It died down a few months ago a little bit, but for the most part, we all know what I'm talking about. Now, 
I don't know about you, I term this as a change. Not that it's a big deal. This isn't about, you know, declaring victory for one side over the other. And a lot of you know that I was no changes for, you know, my own reasons. And a lot of you understood as well that I was more than happy for other people to seek their own changes that made a lot of sense. And over the last you know, eight, nine, ten months on this particular show, a lot of the changes uh, of community have come on to this show, argued their case and made some fucking solid points to the point that I'm going, huh, that makes way too much sense. You know, that that's, maybe that's something that should be done. And even though personally I don't want anything changed, I wouldn't be upset if some of those things that people have requested went through. At the end of the day, as many of you know, I don't really give a fuck. I just want to play this game. I've been beaten into submission. Just get it to me now. But back to my original point, I do term this as a change. And so I just have a funny feeling that some members of the No Changes crowd are going to flex and curve and bend their arguments a little bit and say, oh, well, you know, it's not a core gameplay change, so it doesn't count. No Changes still won. No Changes, baby. Yeehaw. And I just feel like that's probably an incorrect interpretation in my mind. Um, People were arguing against this toggle. No changes. People were like, I don't want to see this toggle in the game. If it's there, it's a change. It's bullshit. Well, it looks like it's there. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised that not that many people are bitching about it because the majority of the community actually seems relatively happy with the option that has been provided. These modern graphics aren't really getting people bent out of shape. And that's been really delightful to see. There hasn't been um, a lot of uh, toxic posts about it, a lot of vitriol. People, I think, as I say, with the beaten to submission term, my theory has been, and, and I know there's been some pushback um, against me on this in, in the Discord and some people that I've talked to, um, all sort of, you know, very genially and politely. People say, oh, Josh, you know, I don't think that's quite the case. But my thing with this is I think many of us have been beaten into submission. And I just think we've been waiting so long and it's so hyped at this point that most people probably don't care as much as they used to in regards to the whole changes, no changes, what they wanted to see in the game, the design philosophies behind the project, blah, blah blah at this point it's just like just give us a release date let me play the game i'll play it your way blizzard just please let me play it i think there's so few people out there anymore who are like well i won't play it under certain conditions blah 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 that seems to have died down a little bit but that's just again a personal interpretation please write to me and let me know if you do happen to disagree with my take but um i just think that again the no changes crowd will twist uh, a little bit in order to still deem this one as a victory. And that's a stance that I think is, you know, it, quite frankly, I just think if people have um, received information that shows that their point has been shot down, then a concession is somewhat in order. At least that's what happens in the field that I'm in. But we shall see what comes. Now, in terms of talents, there was some more information. But like, yes, it very much so seems like we are getting the 1.12 talents if everything is to be believed from what we have seen. And again, not a shock at all. That's that's not as much of a shock, if you call it a shock, as the graphics toggle. But um, 1.12 talents is fantastic. It seems like everyone is quite happy with that one. I've got really not much more to say about that. We were all expecting it. Um, the comment I would have on 
progressive content is obviously there was a screenshot that seems to indicate that Nax would not be in the game in the start due to its placement at the start. Um, that's, again, not really much of a shock, so I'm not going to go too deep on that one. People were very much so expecting progressive content. I've talked recently on the show about how my stance was so erroneous from when I very first started Countdown to Classic, how one of the more shocking things that I said in the, the first handful of episodes was I asked the question, well, I don't really understand what the problem is if they just release everything at once. And again, I really want to emphasize this. When I said that, I based that off of what Blizzard themselves had told us. They had said they don't really want to put a lot of time and resources into this project. It's not something that they want to break their backs doing. They really kind of gave the impression that they wanted to give us classics, say, there, you've got it, we love you, now we're kind of leaving you be. And with that information in hand, I then said and posed the hypothetical question, well, it might be the case that maybe, weirdly, they will just drop everything on us. And I don't really see what the major, major problem with that would be. And then, thankfully, all of you dear listeners jumped on me and and you were very polite in doing so and said, Josh, you don't understand. Here are all the major issues that would happen if we got everything at once. You know, you get the hardcore raiders going and getting their gear straight away. Everything's thrown out of whack. PV P becomes a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. I completely understand that. Um, so I won't delve too much more into that. I've seen the, the, the answer to that question very much so since then. But again, it's not a shock since then, I've learned. It's not a shock that progressive content is coming. And I'm, you know, it's happy. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm happy. It's great to see that that's the case. Um, no one is really commenting on it because, again, not a shock. Items that are in the game. Now, there's been some, some talk of, of um, Talisman of Binding Shard. Uh, Talisman of the Binding Shard, however it's said, is is in the game. And, um, you know, if that is the case, again, I can see it's, you know, they apparently they pulled it out of the code and it's sitting there. I'm not sure if that's a mistake or not, but I would basically hypothesize the same thing. And it would be really, really cool if they did just, you know, recount everything that happened in Vanilla. Give one person Talisman of Binding Shard and then end it. That would be fantastic. Scratches that retro itch for a lot of people. That person then becomes a god amongst, um, you know, the player base. And it would just be a nice thing to see. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for Blizzard to have shout outs to the past throughout the duration of Classic. And we talk about things like the release of Zulgarub and the Corrupted Blood incident. And as I've again said earlier on the show, I think it would be kind of cool if they just did Corrupted Blood again. Do it for a couple of hours, whatever it's going to be, and just run it back. Let everyone have a bit of fun. Don't let it go too long so it's not game-breaking. But, you know, again, shout-outs to the past that I really do think Blizzard might be down with, particularly if it is the case that Talisman of Binding Shard is in the game. It sounds like they might be up for doing it all over again as it was. So that's a really good thing to see. But, look, I'm really happy with everything I've seen. And in terms of... Being happy, I haven't seen anything that pissed me off. So a lot of you seem to be the same way. If you do have any major gripes from what you've seen, though, write into the show, or better yet, call me and say, Josh, I disagree with you, I'm angry, and here's why. And I'm happy to air a contrary opinion. But quite frankly... Everything's all good. I'm really looking forward to getting more information at BlizzCon. As I've told you, I'm getting on a flight pretty soon. I'll be there basically tomorrow. And... um, 
There's going to be a lot of hype and a lot of new information dumped on us. Again, as you've heard, I am expecting a release date. Some of you disagree with me on that. You say, no, no, it won't come. I'm, that's just a gut feeling from me. Again, I make predictions all the time that don't necessarily come true. Some do. You know, that's the nature of the game. Most people, you know, shoot 50-50. That's fine. I think we're getting one. And again, summer 2019 is my best guess, June 4th, if I'm being specific. But um, I, I just really, really think that everything is great. We got the second water cooler update from the team as well regarding the demo. Levels 15 to 19, two zones only. We got Westfall. We got the Bat- Aaron, so it's, again, talking about predictions that I got wrong. I said Elwyn and Juritar. Um, I mentioned that in my interview with Bo Bell, uh, he surmised that um, if they did do the Barons and Westfall, that simply the amount of content that's available is a bit lopsided, balanced towards the Horde. So the Horde might have more to do than the Alliance in the demo. And I agreed with that, which is why I thought Westfall and Juritar made more sense. But I can see what Blizzard is trying to do. It's sort of, you know, content balance, you know, be gone. We don't care about you. We want people running around with talents, experiencing classes when they're just sort of getting into the swing of things with a few more abilities. Totally understand that. It's probably the right thing to do at the end of the day. Many people are upset that they can't start from level one. And whilst it makes a lot of sense to throw people in at level one and start your journey, your hero grows. I guess if you're showing off a demo to people that maybe haven't played vanilla before, it might be better to show them a bit more of what they're going to be able to do. If they start at level one, they have fewer abilities. Um, They're not using talents until level 10, obviously, and they might not get to see as much as Blizzard obviously hopes for them to see. So I totally get where Blizzard is coming from on that angle and don't begrudge them at all. I do have somewhat of an issue with the timing um, in terms of the time limit. Now, I'm really surprised that Blizzard did not get hammered a little bit more for this. I'm not overly upset. I sort of was a little bit upset, but not to the point that I'd go and write an angry post on a forum. But I was when I went to the forums, I was expecting to see some really, really angry posts. And quite frankly, I didn't see that many. And the ones I did see weren't really flamingly toxic. So again, when I come into that beaten in submission argument, I just think that people are so happy the demo is here and it plays right into Blizzard's hands marketing-wise. They've given us, you know, drips of information and, and now it's here and we're so starved for it. We don't care. We just want to play it. And that's why they can kind of say, well, look, there might, and I should say this, obviously they said that there might be um, time limits. It depends on what's going to happen with the server. It's not a sure thing. And we're all speculating on, well, what does that mean? Are we going to be able to play for a couple of hours and then get kicked off for a couple of hours? And I I disagree very much so with um, a point brought up by Tips on one of his uh, videos recently where he said he wasn't particularly troubled by the, the time limit. He said, uh, well, we're only getting six days with the demo anyway, so you were already time limited. Well, here's my problem with that point is if you throw a time limit within the time limit, it is an issue. If you're now limiting the amount of hours that we can play the game within the limited six days that we already had, that's a pretty big fucking issue. Now, a lot of people have been saying that, you know, they want to play the shit out of the demo. They want to play, you know, give me a 24-hour straight run. I want to level every class from 15 to 19. I'm going to do it all. And if the server starts to go into overload and you now get kicked out for a few hours due to other people needing to get a chance, which is understandable, I just think that 
that is somewhat problematic in terms of people who have paid for the virtual ticket and paid for this product and want to be able to experience it as much as they can to throw in effectively two time limits if it gets to that stage is a little bit of a head scratcher in terms of, you know, people have talked about, well, surely Blizzard has the server capabilities to deal with all this and, oh, they've sold too many virtual tickets. Maybe they weren't prepared for it. I mean, I don't want to comment too much on this, but I'm sure Blizzard has the resources to deal with it. I mean, there must be some other element that has come into the decision to put on time limits to people. But, um, yeah, I just I just thought that was a note that really stood out to me, and it's it's not not a big deal. It's something that will come into play, I think. But um, you know, if we don't get there, if the servers handle everything fantastically well, well, then it's a non-issue. If nobody's really getting kicked out, or very 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 few of us, then whatever, people will deal with it. I do understand that. But obviously, the six day time limit may be extended. You know, J. Allen Brack used that word at least. Um, when he did talk about the date that it would be open for. So we shall see. But anyway, that's really my take on everything that we've heard. I've been flat out with work. I've been packing for the trip as well. I haven't been able to dive into it anywhere near as much as I would like to. Don't get me wrong. I've seen a shitload of videos and I have taken in a lot of information over the last few days. So I'm not coming at it from a completely blind angle, but I'd love to do it more. And while I'm in uh, California, I will be reading more and more and looking at more and more and getting back to you when I can. But now we'll get to the listener calls in Calling County. Down. Okay, we've got another caller on the line now, and who are we talking with? This is the, the man, the myth, the legend that is Thaloris. Dolores, yes, someone I've been dying to talk to on the show. We've obviously um, bumped into each other a little bit here and there around uh, the various Discord channels that we're a part of. And uh, you're someone who is very, very vocal and, and you seem very knowledgeable about not only a number of issues, but in particular, um, everything and anything paladins. And just for the listener's benefit, you are someone who... Um, it's a funny story because I've actually been struggling to find paladin experts and um, i was so happy to come across you and you were kind enough to say that you'd put your hand up and come on and and do my paladin interview when i do eventually get to that um one day on the show in the future but um just to let the listeners know they will be hearing from you again but we're doing a little bit of a shorter call this time and this is in regards to a point that you brought up about the demo now you're a little bit of a theory crafter and you told me that um you had some plans for for when you get your hands on the demo so why don't you tell everyone what those plans are well, one of the interesting things that I have always theorycrafted on and have been chomping at the bit ever since this particular game mechanic was taken away slash nerfed um, by the Lights Hope devs was uh, it's, it's known as judgment stacking. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, paladins have three debuff judgments that they can apply. Judgment of Light, Judgment of Wisdom, Judgment of the Crusader. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, for for horror players who may not be as familiar, um, Judgment of Light is a debuff that gets applied to the target, and every melee attack uh, by any player has a chance to restore health. So, 
it's very good on raid-wide damage fights, for example, like Vale in Black Lair, um, Magmadar in Molten Core, um, or in Noxramas, especially Lotheb and Thaddeus, where everyone, all 40 players across the entire raid are taking major damage. Mm-hmm. So all of the melee players can regen um, passively as they attack the target. Uh, Judgment of Wisdom is the opposite, obviously, for the casters. They have a chance on their spell cast as well as uh, melee attacks. Now, I'm saying for hybrids in particular here, so paladins. Um, so whenever they hit the target with uh, a spell, they have a chance to regenerate mana. Now, the red-headed bastard stepchild of the three is the final one, and it's known as Judgment of the Crusader, which increases plus holy damage to the target. Um, and this is obviously mainly geared for Alliance, obviously, because mm-hmm. we're, we're paladins only on the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, this is for your rep paladins, and if you're so, if, if, if you so dare, your dis- disciplined smite priests. And the interesting mechanic that I want to test once and for all is whether all six ranks of Judgment of the Crusader are stackable. And through my theorycrafting research, um, when I was back on, this is back when Nostalarius was, was, was running, I actually found proof from 2005 that it, the, judge, uh, the judgments were stackable. And I'll just re- redo this, this brief post. Yeah, go for it. O- October 13th, 2005, um, it says, quote, multiple paladins can stack different ranks of the judgments on the same mob. The last time my raid group killed Ragnaros, we didn't have enough priests to do AOE heals on the rogues. So the three paladins in the melee groups coordinated different ranks of judgment of light on him and the rogues and DPS warriors ended up healing themselves a lot. So that's what I'm saying as far as those raid-heavy, uh, raid-wide heavy damage fights, such as Ragnaros, where the melee get, get hit by a lot of damage, or Thaddeus, or Lotheb. Um, if, if you can stack it, it, it adds up to, to quite a lot of passive healing that the healers wouldn't otherwise have to put out. Right. Now, as 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 because of that that, and then there was also additional evidence that I found from the uh, 2.4.0 patch patch notes, where it says Judgment of the Crusader. It is no longer possible to have icons for two different ranks of Judgment of the Crusader appear at the same time when judged by multiple paladins. Now, the pushback that I got on that was. A, that's just talking about icons. That's not necessarily saying that the actual debuff stack. But when you put the, the 2005 post along with the 2.4 patch notes, it makes a compelling argument. Um, now, back when I think it was on either Elysium or Light's Hope, they decided to nerf the, the mechanic. Because they said, well, you haven't found any evidence from 1.9 to 1.12. And that was, that was their argument. I mean, at first, all of my haters, all of my trolls didn't agree that it was even possible in the first place. And they 
kind of took a big dump on the 2005 post. So what I'm very interested in as far as the BlizzCon demo um, is that we would have the ability to determine whether at least rank one and rank two of Judgment of the Crusader can stack because rank one seal of the Crusader can be learned at level six and rank two can be learned at level 12. Mm-hmm. Now, from what we've, we've heard, you know, through the grapevine, it's looking like only one zone per faction would be available. So we're, we're, we're looking at probably Elwyn Forest for the Alliance and um, Duratar, uh, Duratar for the Horde. Um, now, that, with that being said, it is definitely possible to achieve level 12 from just questing and mob killing in Elwyn Forest. Yep. So um, what I would like to test is having two paladins group up um, and then seeing they, they coordinate one of them do rank one, one of them do rank two and see if, in fact, those two judgments do stack on the target. Because that would completely change the meta. And, the you know, the it's, it's as old as time, LOL Rhett. Yep. You know, shut the fuck up and heal, yep. put your dress on. But. Um, but if this is, in fact, proven to be accurate, the Rhett Paladins would become force multipliers for each other. And what I mean by that is the more Rhett's you have, the more powerful all of them are. Yep. Because if you get six rets with um, uh, the three out of three improved Judgment of the Crusader talent, which is plus 15%, then you have the PvP gloves, which is flat plus 20 to Judgment of the Crusader. And then you have a Librum, uh, which comes out, um, I think it's in 110, uh, which adds an additional plus 33 to Judgment of the Crusader. So if all six paladins coordinate for all six ranks of Judgment of the Crusader, and they have all, they have the talent, they have the PBP gloves, and the Librum, that ends up adding up to plus 829 holy damage to the target, which is huge. When you factor in whether they use Seal of Command, Judgment of Command, Consecration, um, or if they go the other way and do a spell damage build and use Seal, Judgment of Righteousness, um, and build that way. One of the interesting, the other aspects that I will eventually want to test out, although it's, it won't be possible on the demo given the low level um, of the tunes and itemization is whether the talent in the Holy tree improved seal and judgment of righteousness, which on face value says plus 15%. I want to test whether that would also scale with spell damage. So if you have all six ranks of judgment, of the crusader plus 829 holy damage, and then you have improved seal judgment of righteousness, plus 15%, but then scaling with your gear, that's going to be some huge, huge damage. Especially given the fact that Seal of Righteousness cannot be dodged, blocked, parried, 
and cannot be resisted either fully or partially. So it sounds like, I mean, one of the things that you're looking forward to finding out most, and, and thank you for that phenomenal in-depth answer, by the way, that was absolutely fantastic. Sorry, was that, was that too long-winded no, got, or did that? Please believe me, on this show, there is no such thing as too long. That was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> but it sounds like, I mean, to crudely summarize what you're saying, it sounds like if things did stack in the way that perhaps you might be hoping it would give rise to the situation essentially where it's like with our powers combined we are captain retribution well exactly and and i and i said as much in in our pms and it, and, and it alludes back to the forum post on the classic forums that i that i wrote i think a year ago now basically proc items plus judgment of the crusader stacking plus spell damage basically when you combine all of that with those proc items like the fiery retributor sword that uh, drops from the demon boss in zg the blaze fury medallion which drops off a kazakh the world boss and either the fiery plate gauntlets or storm gauntlets which are blacksmith craftable items each of those items are plus elemental damage on every one of your melee attacks and they are equip bonuses so that means they will always proc and then when you use seal of righteousness and judgment of righteousness those also proc melee procs as well so you have fire retributor which is 1.8 swing speed plus seal of righteousness on top basically you're getting um those procs go off uh, every 0.9 seconds if you separate the two. Um, but we want to also further test whether those scale with spell damage because I have proof from the different database websites. They're saying, yeah, they, they scale, yeah, they scale, yeah, they scale. But the, the, those posters who wrote those particular pieces, that was not during actual retail vanilla so that was a pushback because i originally had them quote unquote fixed back on phoenix and it got ugly fast because it led to what's known as the fire rogue basically all the nax clearing guilds um the rogues started taking all the spell damage items now Keep in mind, Phoenix also had a pay shop. So not only could you vote to guarantee to get the Fiery Retributor with vote points, but you could do a real money transaction and buy all of the cloth Nax caster gear. So you had these rogues doing, like, they were, they were one-shotting Tier 3 Prot Warriors in Warsong Gulch. Wow. Like, I'm not kidding. Wow. It was just... Boom, you're dead. Boom, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Boom, you're dead. And then in PVE, one of the one of the, the community managers posted um, a video that he that he used to test the fire rogue on their test realm, and the fire rogue was doing like 2,600 DPS. It was wow. just stupid, stupid, insane. But according to the evidence, it said that they should scale at standard instant cast scaling, which is 43 percent. But it ended up breaking the game, and it was reverted back three weeks later to not scale at all. 
Right. Now, we, we sort of, you know, recently I've been talking on the show and I've been hit with some feedback about, you know, obviously private server information versus vanilla. A lot of us don't remember how it was back in vanilla in regards to perhaps, you know, um, you know, some of the stuff that, that you've just talked about it might be obviously private server based and blah, blah, blah. But in terms of um, the accuracy of private servers you know i sort of preface everything with like look we all know it's it's not 100 percent correct information I, I don't feel the need to state that at the start of every episode that we all take it with a grain of salt what happens on private servers in regard to theory crafting but out uh, keeping like that caveat in mind obviously with regards to some of the playtime that you've had on private servers are there any other um Paladin-related uh, arguments or pal- Paladin-related issues that outside of what you've spoken about, you're also dying to find out about later in game that you might not be able to um, obviously pick up in the demo as well? Um, I am actually able to say, because I played on all sorts, and um, I, I played on servers where it's basically stock mangoes or maybe one or two steps above stock. And uh, the, let me let me put it this way: in stock mangoes, which is what all private vanilla servers, you know, for for lack of a better term, are based on, paladins were the worst and most bugged class of all. It was just atrocious. I'm talking holy resistance. I'm talking seal of command being on the spell hit and crit table. You name it. And, you know, we also had positive bugs where we had the unnerfed Seal of the Crusader and then Consecration scaling with attack power. Yeah, that was nice, but it wasn't Blizzlight. But that being said, I can tell you that because of my years of blood, sweat, and tears and swearing at a lot of people on the forums and in the bug reports, Light's Hope has it pretty, pretty close to 100% Blizzlight as far as retribution goes. And it's come a long way. And I had to kick a lot of people's teeth in verbally to get them to listen and say, no, you've got your head up your ass. You're wrong. This is how it was. This is how it should be. So I think, I think we're as close as Blizzlight as we're ever going to get on any private server on Light's Hope. It took a long time, but uh, and I wrote up a lot of bug reports. and I had to deal with a lot of haters and trolls in the process, but I think, I think we're close. If, if, we, if we're able to get these final, you know, um, unanswered staking points, for example, for judgment stacking, the, the fire croc items, um, uh, improve seal of righteousness talent. We will be able to finally close the book. And here's a little shout out to Kef Tank. We will finally be able to properly stat weight paladins because he's been chomping at the bit yep. for for me and Talajul to get to get that done. Mm-hmm. But those are like until we actually get classic. We can't finish off the chapter, I guess is the best way to uh, to put it. 
And with, and now that being said, I've been trying for literally years. I have submitted GM tickets to Blizzard asking the very questions that, that, uh, and, and issues that, that we talked about in this, in this interview right now. And obviously they did not want to give out the information, um, uh, because any information that they would have given out would have been only used to help private servers. And obviously the, at that time, they wanted nothing to do, and they wanted to shut them all down. So at long last, starting with the demo during BlizzCon, and then once Classic actually opens up and people are able to level up, um, take all the t- necessary talents, and then get all these items that we want to test out, we'll finally be able to know once and for all um, where things actually stand when it comes to um, retribution and it's it's basically its top um, DPS ceiling, and, and where it where it will um, play out compared to other classes and specs. It's definitely going to be very interesting when everything drops. And you mentioned a few times, you know, having to correct people on the forums and and things like that. And and I've just seen in the last few days, actually, you are incredibly vocal on the official forums. And, and a lot of your posts are really well put forward and, and really well constructed arguments. Just sort of lightly on, on forum use in general and obviously the reestablishment of the official classic forums and whatever we might get when the game releases. I talk to people about the way in which you've always approached the forums and, and, and how much you use them and, and what you hope to achieve with such heavy official forum use and why you choose the official forums over any other avenue. Um, well, I've never been a fan of Reddit. That's number one, although I have used it sparingly because that it's where the, the trolls and haters live. Um but uh, I, can, I can tell you this. One thing that I learned very quickly was that uh, Blizzard official forums do, in fact, enforce their code of conduct very, very quickly and very, very efficiently. So you got to be really careful. Um, um, uh, in, in, incoming four-letter word, uh, don't call people c- on the uh, official classic <laughs> forums. You'll, you'll, you'll get a, a, a two-week timeout real quick. Yeah, and then you know, like some some trolls were actually, I actually reported this one guy multiple times on multiple different forum accounts, and he kept harassing me, and basically he was and he kept getting banned because he was just trying to troll me, and I kept reporting him, and basically the guy was just for, uh, start up new forum accounts circumventing his bands and uh it was just hilarious the way he just kept coming after me and but it was just like his arguments were stupid this is this is the guy that said that because remember i don't know if you were in um Telegel's discord at the time when we were first looking at nightfall uptime no um, i, I glazed diff- over it but i didn't catch much of it okay well kef tank was testing I, I didn't have, I, I'm a Mac, I, I use a Mac, so um, I didn't have the, the, the test server at the time because I, ha- I have to, um, I had to set up a partition and install Windows in order to do it. But uh, KevTank was the main guy doing it. And um, I was posting results 
on the official forums. And this guy said, oh, you're full of crap. Oh, da, da, da. You're just private server garbage. And he said that a, uh, a Melly Hunter with Nightfall, without his pet, just the Melly Hunter would hit 1.1K DPS. And I was just like, what the hell are you smoking? But he just wouldn't let it go. He's like, no, 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 no. But I mean, even Keftank using corrupted Ashbringer tapped out at 1K. Oh. So, but that's with his pet too. But this guy on the forum said just, just the, um, just, just the Melee Hunter himself, no pet would hit 1.1. And then he's like, oh, just give it to the Fury Warriors. But then we're like, you know, the tests show that, yeah, the Fury Warrior would get a bit more uptime, but his personal DPS would go down by five or 600 in the process. And so it would end up being a net loss because, like, on a target like Patchwork, a Fury Warrior can hit 15, 16, close to 1700 DPS with best in slot forever gear. And that's using dual wheel with, with KT weapons. But if you give him Nightfall, his DPS is going to go down in 900. So what's the point of an extra few seconds of right. nightfall if you end up losing five, six, seven hundred DPS from that one player alone? Like it become ends up becoming becoming stupid. As I said, I, I should say to you actually, I do apologize because I said to you this would be oh you know ten to fifteen minute call, and you've been so amazing that as often happens on the show this is now turning into a much longer call and I'm more than happy to go long, obviously with the content that you're providing being so interesting. Um, but, uh, well, if, if, if I can just interrupt you yeah. for, for a quick time, that's the beauty of the vanilla paladin. There's no one way to play it. And that's what I, from day one, I have always advocated, try a different spec, try different abilities, find what works best for you. My number one priority was to empower others to embrace the full, you know, uh, tool toolbox that we have with us. I mean, let me put it this way. If we wanted it easy, we'd be playing BFA right now and jumping into uh, LFR and waiting in, uh, in Capital City. Yeah. So, like, that's that's the beauty of the class, of the different specs. You can play around. It's a virtual smorgasbord of different things that you can do. With, I mean, just generally, outside of um, you know everything that you've mentioned, and if let's say for some reason retribution paladins did become more viable than they currently are, do you think? I mean, are you just as excited as anyone to be able to take that dress off and actually? re-explore ways in which to play the class and up that DPS? Well, let me let me answer it this way. Back in Retail Vanilla, I was in the top rating guild on lane server. And we ended up stopping rating about two months before Burning Crusade came out, which was January, January of 20, 2007, I believe. So we stopped rating as a guild around October, beginning of November. Mm -hmm. And we didn't end up clearing all the way to Kel'Thuzad. Um, but we were one of the, the later uh, servers that opened up. It wasn't one of the first generation. And I myself came to the game 
I think about four or five months after um, it opened up. So I was a bit late to the game myself. So, but that being said, we were the top guild on the server. And when we ended up, I believe we were nine out of 15 Max Ramas. And we had six or seven full-time raiding paladins, give or take, depending on the day on people's schedules. On average, we had about four or five paladins per raid. Of those six or seven paladins, we only had one that was holy. Oh. The yeah. other one, my buddy, my, 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 my actual good buddy, um, and here's a fun story. I had never met him, but he came to my wedding. Oh, wow. It's a true story. True story. Uh, Mikey, really good guy. Um, and um, uh, my wife and I, we got married in Hawaii, and, and Mike, Mike, Mike was a Marine. He was, he was stationed on Oahu, and our wedding was, was on the big island. And he came over for our wedding. And that's, that's when fantastic. I met him. For, I literally met him for the first time the night before I got married. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But uh, he was the paladin class leader, and he wasn't even full holy. He was 21 prot for Blessing of Sanctuary. Every uh, every one of the other paladins, guess what spec we were? Well, you're all red. Exactly. Wow. Because you don't need to be 31 plus holy in order to use flash of light or holy light. And we got 9 out of 15 max. So that's what I say to all these min max. I mean, look, if people want to min max and uh, speed run, fill your boots. Have fun. But that doesn't interest me. But don't tell me that you have to be 31 plus holy in order to clear Naxxramas. It's it's definitely the min-maxing argument, I think, is one that will slightly fall by the wayside because it's always going to be there as, yes, okay, well, no one is disputing if you want to take down the content in the best way possible, yeah, sure, there's a cookie-cutter way of doing things. But to then shut down skilled players who want to play alternative, less viable specs or classes in a, in a, in a raid situation... I think it's going to become pretty obvious pretty soon that you can still do it. Sure, you might not be able to do it as quickly or, you know, with a bit more difficulty, maybe a wipe or two thrown in, but it's not like you can't do it. it would, is, would you agree with that? I mean, obviously sounds like you 100%, would. 100%. 100%. Now, that being said, in, the, in our guild raids, we didn't, like, break out our two-handers and start using Seal of Command. We still healed, but... We weren't 31 plus down the holy tree in the process because we, we all we as a guild would PvP together and it was we, it was so amazing. I still got some of my old screenshots from uh, original vanilla um, all track valleys with me and my my guildmates. We were all five out of five Avenger armor um, and we all had Nax weapons and we were force multipliers for one another in all track valley. We would literally hold off a group of 20-plus horde from being able to kill Belinda just by ourselves. And we would, we, would, we would coordinate our stuns to drop our max rank judgment of commands, and we would just stack all of our consecrations on top of each other in the mass, and we would just, 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 just destroy, destroy the horde. 
Outside of paladins, I mean, obviously you sound like someone who's so incredibly well-versed with uh, paladins and uh, their, their role in the game. Do you roll any alts? What, what's the sort of uh, second class that you've always been intrigued by or, um, you know, rolled as an alt? I, on the private server here for Light Hope, I also have a very geared Fury Warrior that um, I have Ash Candy on. and Basically, I roll two-hand Fury. Um, and so, for example, when I used to raid um, on fights where it just wasn't feasible for me to be there with my ret, um, so fights like um, Hygen Dance, because of his annoying mana burn slash detonation mechanic, um, basically it's very difficult for ret to do well on that fight. So basically, the only way you can stay in is if before the, the boss is pulled, you have to heal yourself and drain your mana bar completely. Otherwise, he's just going to end up blowing you up. So in those situations, uh, for the good of the guild, um, I would just log out of my paladin and bring in my fury warrior. Because obviously the fury warrior can stay in the whole time. Mm. Um, and likewise, sometimes I, I just bring him in for Noth. Um, but the, pal- the Paladin can still play in on Noth. But basically, I would bring the Fury Warrior in for Noth, um, Hygen, and sometimes Resuvius. Because uh, Resuvius also does that uh, that shout that you can't be in line of sight for yeah. otherwise if, as a mana user. But, um, but yeah, those are the two geared tunes that I have on Light's Hope. So given how active you are with theory crafting in relation to paladins, do you find that that does extend to this Fury Warrior as well or other specs? Is it theory crafting in general that you've always wanted to dabble in or are you just focused on the plight of the paladin? It's been the paladin through and through. I mean, I I enjoy playing my Fury Warrior. It's it's fun, you know, but by no means am I an expert. Um, I I am absolutely atrocious playing my warrior in PvP. Uh, I mean, I, I can kind of stumble around fine, but I much, much prefer playing my Paladin, especially playing, um, like, Reckoning spec um, and, and being able to provide that full package and being able to one-shot um, the enemy flag carrier with a well-timed Wreck Bomb is... There's nothing better. Like... You know, warriors can have their sword spec proc, but nothing beats a dropping that wreck bomb with seal of righteousness and corrupted ashbringer and getting a nice juicy life drain um, crit, which scales at 100% spell damage. I should add um, on that target, and uh, nothing beats that. That's that's the satisfying part of. Basically, all these people are saying, "Oh, shut, shut the fuck up and heal me." Lol, ret. And then being able to one-shot the flag carrier. Um, just a, It just came to my mind. One of the other things that Keftank and I were, were just recently testing um, as far as the theory crafting out was the smite spec for discipline. So that was interesting. And then obviously this kind of flows back to the judgment stacking of all six ranks of Judgment of the Crusader, if that ends up becoming um, blizzlike then it does open the door for potential smite spec priests, um, at least on the Alliance side. So that's one of the things that, that 
both he and I were trying to test out and see where where things go. You've been fantastic, Dolores, and I, I, I tell you what, you've certainly um, uh, wet the beak, so to speak, for the, the next episode that we'll get you on regarding um, everything and anything Paladin. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. You've clearly got a lot to say, and uh, I always enjoy getting the theory crafters on here because it's one of those episodes where I listen and I sit there and I nod along and... I'm sitting there realizing, like, I know I'm going to have to listen to this a second time because so much of it flies over my head. Well, that's, again, this flows back to what I said earlier. That's the beauty of Vanilla Warcraft. There's no one way to do it, especially as a paladin. And if we wanted it easy, like I said, we'd be playing Battle for Azeroth right now where literally everything is handed to you. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's completely dumbed down. So you can't really theory craft in the retail current version of the game. I mean, yeah, there's going to be different changes as they do DPS changes to abilities, et cetera, et cetera. But it's so dumbed down that basically all the classes are the same. Mm. I mean, when did you do? Do you still play retail? I tried BFA when it came out, and I got like two levels into it, and just went, "I am not having fun." And um, no, yeah, I just left. Oh, I see. Uh, I see an angry burb has entered the channel. Yeah, I was going to say I don't want to alarm you, but Thaloris, uh, we are currently uh, with company, ladies and gentlemen. The man himself, whose name we've been dropping like it's going out of fashion, Keftank. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Excellent. Well, that's good enough. Well, look, here's what we'll tell you. Um, Dolores has been dropping bombs of uh, theory crafting here regarding Paladins and the demo, and he talked about a few things that he's looking forward to finding out about. And you're someone who we, we've mentioned is so vocal um, through a number of discords, obviously Taladrill's Discord, Theory Crafting Discord, the Countdown to Classic Discord, and um, you know, I, I do enjoy hearing your take on things, and obviously you're quite involved in the theory crafting side of things as well. What are you hoping to find out first and foremost from the demo? And, and I know you're not overly interested in sort of the demo, so to speak, in terms of how limited it's going to be, but is there any one little thing that you're kind of curious about discovering from when we get to play that? Uh, realistically, yeah, the only thing I'm interested in, in is, I guess, the debuff priority. Uh, and then maybe how, I mean, Solaris was talking about it a little bit earlier, but, you know, judgment stacking. But uh, just in general, um, the priority list. Uh, I, obviously, we have a limited amount of skills that we can activate, which will give us a sense of, like... How does Fireball really get pushed off? And like, when does Moonfire get pushed off? Those are low priority debuffs, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how right we got it with the NOS core. Yeah, you go, you, go, you go way back to NOS. You were on the QA team for there. Yeah. I mean, other than that, though, um, is this demo with eight debuff slots? Is it with 16? Uh, even if it is with eight or, I mean, 16, it doesn't really mean that Blizzard won't do limit, or like the eight debuff slot when they do launch Classic. Um, I think this is just mostly like a marketing uh, bit as well as kind of a stress test 
see how much people are truly interested in it. Cash yep. grab. Cash <laughs> grab. Hey, it's good business for them. It's going to increase their bottom line for Q4 or for the year. I mean, Malpa got to respect them for doing it. Well, you know what they say. There's no sure. business like show business and WoW Classic demos. I think, I think that's how the line goes. I'd be curious to see the armor reduction to damage formula, if we got that right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, very limited on what we can see um, because maybe the demo only goes at level 10 and then we won't even be able to test if like judgment stacking is a thing. But um, Well, they, they did say that players would be able to spend a few talent. So I'm going to take them at their word. And, but I, I, I do agree. It's not set in stone. So I'm hoping we can at least get to level 12. So, Kev Tank, one thing I'd ask you is that, uh, I mean, we've obviously got BlizzCon coming up as well, and, and you've been uh, tagging me in a couple of things and, and excitedly talking amongst the, the Druid Discord and the Theory Crafting Discord as things you'd like to hear perhaps from the Classic panel. But, um, you know, there might well be, well be a section where they turn to Q&A and taking questions from the floor, and they've had a you know a couple of famous moments in the past. But uh, one thing I'd ask you um, is if you did have your chance to ask a question from the floor to the Classic panel, what would that question be? So I would probably ask them around the design philosophy of vanilla and if they are going to kind of stay true to that with classic. Um, I think the major call out in regards to that would be around how the private server meta has kind of figured out and turned to a very melee oriented game. We've uh, I guess dissected and analyzed vanilla to reveal that it is not a caster's game whatsoever. Um, arguably, with that said, uh, you know, maybe we did not get it right on the private servers, and I'm almost certain we did not. But to what degree did we not get it right? Um, like, what what is that ratio? Uh, we know, you know, from me working on NOS itself um, that there are uh, bosses and monsters that have higher armor values than what is intended in vanilla. And so that's just going to increase that gap for the melee in classic. Um, And I'm just curious, it's if they are just going to roll it out as is and let the community develop that meta even further and really phase out uh, the prot warrior, phase out the uh, the warlocks, phase out all the suboptimal casters, shadow priests, balanced druids, elemental shamans, whatnot. Uh, I mean, they're pretty phased out as is from even 2006, but um, yeah, I mean, it it just really encompasses a lot, like with world buffs, it's a big topic, and um, I'm just really curious if they understand that w- the the hardcore side of this community has kind of figured out the game in terms of optimizing it to see the best returns. Because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, people are, they're, they're fools if they think that uh, what we have developed here on the private server community in terms of the meta is not going to uh, carry over into classic. Uh, 
and that's going to kind of be the model and the outline for everyone that's going to raid in classic. They're going to lean on us to find out what we figured out on these private servers, even though they may have not been a hundred percent accurate and they're going to use that as a model. Well, if I can pick you up on that one, because I know this is going to be a very contentious point for a few people, not for me personally, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I've had a lot of people write into the show and, and, and I was mentioning this to, to, um, Thaloris earlier saying, you know, I, I do get people up in arms saying, you know, Josh, 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 you are putting way too many people with way too much private server experience on your show. That is not vanilla. You are misrepresenting information. This is outrageous. Please throw in a massive legal caveat at the start of the show or, you know, something along those lines that this is you know all speculation blah 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 and i always i've always said to people look we know that it's 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 can go unsaid because we know that private server uh, data isn't necessarily spot on but something you just said was very intriguing when you were saying that um you'd be a fool to think that the private server metadata won't necessarily will will, won't translate over to um classic you're thinking that's pretty much going to be the same thing and please correct me if I'm, i'm paraphrasing or putting anything you've said incorrectly but on that point i know that people listening right now will be going what the fuck that kef tank guy is out of control they'll be using the Liz like numbers that those private servers never had access to. It'll be so different and all you theory crafters will have to go away and do all your work again. But it sounds like you're saying perhaps not so. Uh, I mean, yes. Things aren't going to be a one-to-one carbon copy. Uh, that's the problem with emulation. And we tried really hard to get get it to that point. But for instance, we know from vanilla what the armor reduction formula is we know how that translates to um you know uh, increase of damage so just as a quick example um you know ragnaros or patchwork they have 5491 armor uh and if you reduce that you know a 25 percent damage reduction or increase, sorry, a 25% damage increase is about a 3,600 armor reduction. And that's very obtainable to acquire in 2018, almost 2019. Um, we know how that will translate to how, you know, melee hits scale or, uh, you know, yellow hits scale. You know, we, it's not like, <laughs> I mean, it, even if it was wrong, we just need to readjust. You know, we have all these great theory crafters with their spreadsheets out there that can just readjust the stat weights for their skills, for their spells, to whatever the formula actually is if we did get it wrong, if we did get coefficients wrong. But we don't, you know, we didn't get coefficients wrong. We, we, we definitely have spell resistance wrong. So it's going to value spell penetration more for casters. But, I mean, these people who think that... uh, These people don't know exactly how much work and what we have done on the back end of things that they do not see, you know, in our QA forms, like the math behind it, you know, dissecting a video to get these results. Yes, it's not a one-to-one carbon copy. Not like, only that, Keftank, if I could just uh, add one thing. They're lumping all of the private servers into yeah. the same batch. Yes, so yes. 
they're saying, oh, stock mangoes or Nostalrius or Elysium or Light's Hope, they're all the same. They're And they're just like vanilla game. You know, it's just, it's all BS because obviously stock mangoes is horribly bugged. But that's, yeah. that's, that's the starting point. That's where you, you know, you, you roll up your sleeves and all of these developers and theory crafters have kind of started licking their chops, say, okay, let's get to work. Let's fix this. Let's look at the data um, that's in stock mangoes. Let's go back to the vanilla evidence. Let's look at the vanilla era videos and let's fix it. Exactly. Very, very well put, guys. Um, if I can just sort of tie off the call, I'll bring up one last point. And Kev Tank, I, I won't sort of have you have jumped in here for no reason. You've raised some fantastic points. But just to sort of make the most of, of my time with you while I've got you, in regards to the demo, everyone uh, everyone who knows you knows that you, you lean Druid quite heavily. You are um, quite uh, in tune with that class. You play them a lot, in particular, um, you know, balanced Druids. Is there anything from the demo, anything at all, that you're intrigued about with Druids? Uh, no, no. I, I guess <laughs> Not really. It, it's too um, hard I mean, I guess early it levels... really depends on how, how high levels you can get. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can get bare form at level... 10 great whatever i mean but i mean if i can't get to 20 i'm gonna be stuck in caster form or bear form can i can i answer can i answer this is a shout out to taladril yeah Uh, their crowd pummeler works in feral form hint 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 but that's level 30 ish right that's that's what i mean i guess um i mean definitely like uh, sites like Wowhead is going to data mine the shit out of the demo, but Blizzard's not dumb. They are probably going to restrict some of that data in the demo. Um, yeah, or maybe they'll heard. just they'll just give it all to us, and then we'll be able to you know parse the dat- database. But um, did you guys hear that Wowhead is coming out with the classic database? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're resurrecting Thoughtbot. <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, well, look, I, I, I won't sort of uh, put you on the spot too much more, Kev Tank. I know you I essentially uh, got you in here at the last second before you uh, sort of knew what we were talking about. But thanks so much. Now for... you got me fucking riled up. So. Well, no, that's good. I tell oh. you what. No, no, no. Oh. While you're riled up, let's get one last point in. Because it's funny because people who, who either see you around the discords, obviously you're – how do I term this? You're um, relatively uh, – active and uh passionate on the discords and you speak in a certain way and you you love to get into uh, a back and forth with people and um you know i like to see you fired up and when you come on the show you're so measured you're so um you know calm in, in all the points that you put forward but now that you're riled up go nuts what are you riled up about tee off uh it's just you know when i have to speak about vanilla wow Outside of the theorycraft community, I just have to think about the community that actually plays this game, and that itself frustrates me beyond belief. I actually had an encounter today out in the real world, oh. which may, may not want to go out in the real world anymore. But it was some twenty-year-old kid. Uh, you know, I was wearing my Twitch hoodie, and he he, he thought that was. Uh, you know, permission for him to strike up a conversation with me, and which is ridiculous. <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah, I know, right? So, so he did it, and you know, he's asking me 
what games I play and whatnot, and if I was a streamer, and I'm not, but uh, I made a joke about Fortnite, and then, um, you know, I told them I don't really play video games, and but I am looking forward to Classic. Uh, he plays BFA, um, but he's some 20-year-old kid, and we got into talking about, you know, the evolution of WoW, so to speak, and, you know, what I play in vanilla and he you know he's he's very much attuned with the community's perspective of uh you know balanced root is a meme moonkin is a meme and this kid's like again he's he has to be 20 or so he's Mm. probably still in fucking diapers when (laughs) vanilla was out like where does he have like still sucking at the teeth (laughs) yeah but so it's just like uh, I know I mentioned this in the the meme podcast or whatever, yep. but it's that that vanilla stigma has like this guy did not play vanilla, hundred percent. He was four, five, six years old, and yet and, felt the need to comment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stigma has carried on probably through the shit classic forums or some shit Reddit form, or you know, from his shithead friends down to him and he has decided to formulate an opinion that has absolutely no basis or factual evidence and he's you know he's just regurgitating it back to effect essentially he's telling anyone he wants to obviously he came up to me and thought he had the right to speak to me like (laughs) what the fuck like and he just wants to share his like i don't know uh it, it it's like that is who I envision uh, the community as. Uh, obviously, it's not all of them, right? But oh my god, it's so I'm, so frustrating. I'm like, really hoping this story ends with you saying, "And now I'm wanted for murder." Well, can, uh, can I ask? Can I ask both of you guys a question? How how has, in your point of view, the community changed? Let's take a let's take a step back from the game itself, but the community, the forums. How, in your opinions, have things changed from original classic vanilla to today and the years of, as, as Kev Tank was just saying, the, the memes, the, you know, LOL Moonkin, LOL Rat. How, how has that affected the average player and how will that affect the average player once classic launches? I mean, I can tell you from a, a filthy scrub standpoint, because I, I do feel like I somewhat represent the average player because I am a filthy casual. I'm not a raider. I, I'd only, you know, invest so many hours in the game when I can get away from work. But I can tell you that had I not done this podcast, you know, I, I regret to say that I would have bought all the opinions that I would have read on the forums because unfortunately for you guys who do such hard work with your theory crafting out there to disprove all of these, um, you know, stereotypes about meme specs and things like that, the posts that you put up are unfortunately few and far between as opposed to the waterfall and the avalanche of people going like, ha ha ha, Moonkin's a, a meme spec. Ha ha ha, Red Paladins are the worst fucking thing to ever happen to video gaming, things like that. And the people that are actually vouching for them and, and crunching the numbers and saying, look, I know it's fun to say that, but if you just actually put these things under the microscope, give them a go, crunch some numbers, you'll see that viability is a very sort of subjective term. You can play these things and have fun and get through the content. 
I, I wouldn't have come across that. You know what I mean? I've only through my um, vast amount of time spent on the forums through the show and, and breaking everything down. Um, sounds like that's the police coming for Keftank as they go by in the background here. But, um, you know, it, it, I can tell you that from the average person, I would have bought into all those uh, bullshit lines, which would infuriate you guys. Well, if I can just add a little caveat here. For me, I have had so many paladins both in game on the forums or in direct messages they're like dude you should do a youtube channel you should stream you should get out there and even my wife has actually even though she hates this game and she's actually listening to me being interviewed probably shaking her head and you know cursing me and and both of you by proxy but <laughs> she has said why don't you you know why don't you make some money streaming and Honestly, I don't want to because of the hatred. I mean, back on Phoenix, I got docs. Like it, people hated me and my efforts so badly that they fucking doxed me. Like, that's how bad people are compared. And that's why it flows back to your experiences from the community back in two, circa 2005, 2006 to the private shitstorms. That, you know, like you go on the Lights Hope Discord, terms of service, that's funny. Like that doesn't exist. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it's a complete, you know, change. I actually don't even think the community has really evolved much. I think, I mean, I think there's just more of the dog shit people. And there's more ways for them to communicate and share their dog shit ideas. Um, arguably, there are more ways for, you know, stupid dumb fucks like myself to share stupid dumb fuck ideas like Balance Truth to everyone as well. But I don't know. Even, it, you even know, like the internet, the internet so isn't a library. It's just a dumpster. And yeah. people, uh, they... It's just <laughs> well. I'll, if I could play devil's advocate and go into the, I'll I'll, I'll argue against you for a second, Kev Tank. With that one, when we say things like, you know, I know that the community gives you the shits with the work you do, and obviously the amount of opinions that fly in the face of of the efforts that you put in, but. I know it's easy to say, fuck the community, they don't listen to me. I'm sitting here literally trying to help them and prove them wrong in terms of stereotypes, and they will not take this information on board. I totally see where you're coming from. But I'll also say that in, in general, whilst, you know, interaction and, and the thirst for knowledge may not be there with every player, um, you know, I still think it's a generally kind-hearted community, if you will, on the whole. I think the absolutely pervading assholes are still the minority. Um, so I'm still, I'm still quite happy with the community being full of, you know, wide-eyed, happy people just looking to play the game and get along with each other. But I do completely see where you're coming from, that that does not necessarily encapsulate an open-mindedness to taking on further knowledge and breaking down what the game actually means. Sure. And, you know, I'll agree. You know, there's many different aspects of this community. You know, there is a community that doesn't want to raid, right? And, yeah, it would be wrong of me to, you know, call them or lump them in with the rest of the community that I disdain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I will recognize that fact. 
but it is so you know i'm very loud and very vocal about my points and it's those people that are similar to me that are screaming their heads off but uh they don't have any factual evidence um to back up their claims and here i am screaming my head off but i'm actually speaking to a point um that's and, the and, side of the community and, and we provide proof but they even even at that point they say oh the, the, those test results are, are garbage. You're making oh, all that up. I've got no That's doubt that theory crafting. Frustrating. I've got no doubt that theory crafting is an absolutely thankless job, and it must be difficult at times for sure. Well, I mean, so you know, this doesn't even. I mean, this goes well beyond just wow. But uh, it's 2018. People have somehow seemingly lost the respect for experts in the world they you know <laughs> if if it's not right to them in front of their faces then they you know they they argue like oh like it, it, it i'm feels, not gonna bring up like all wrong, political stuff or anything like that but god damn it's it you know it's widespread and it carries into the wow community yeah a little and bit that's the kind of god damn like this community is so bad <laughs> in, in that regard <laughs> yeah in, in that those regard, regards right. it's yeah. just uh it's just well it's i see what you're saying in terms why. of like i think i know what you mean in terms of like if it feels wrong then it'll be wrong to them wrong to them regardless of what's on the piece of paper in front of them i, I hear you on that one sure yeah and you know i'm not trying you know uh balance through is shit in terms of dps uh retribution paladin is garbage smite priest is garbage shadow priest is garbage like I don't care. I'm not trying to advocate these specs onto people. I'm not saying, "Hey, you need to open a spot for the suboptimal spec." Right. But I'm trying to just correct that stigma, that stereotype, give the actual story behind it with the math. But it's like these people are just, unless they do it themselves, they're not going to be convinced. And it's like, yeah, the great irony is. Shadow priests are considered optimal, but yet all of our testing shows it, they're not. They're, they're dog shit. The only way that they can be optimal is if they take up a lot of debuff slots. And even then, they're only boosting three or four warlocks. That's it. Yet sure. they're, well, they're welcome in raiding guilds. So I understand this is complete this call has now completely deviated no no that's fine <laughs> that's totally fine but, i mean this goes back to kind of that question you were posing to me if i had the opportunity to talk to the qa panel uh i mean the you know the private server community has created the, constructed this meta that is very melee oriented because uh so let's just take the a debuffs slot uh system uh, five to six debuffs are melee oriented and that's a crazy amount of debuffs you know for casters you could get what three debuffs maybe for them in that eight debuff slot but they don't always get those three debuffs because those three debuffs holy shit is that's that one of your free? <laughs> oh yeah yeah furry shit going on here Nazi. <laughs> but uh jesus how do i follow what the fuck, Josh? Sorry, mate. I, I completely <laughs> derailed you. Oh my god! Deep debuff slots. Focus. Debuff what slots. else? What else angers uh, Kev Tank in this community? 
fucking this podcast fur- host with cats furry uh, fetish like <laughs> so so disturbing but yeah i don't <laughs> that was so bad bad timing but yeah now you've just kind of uh, put a damper on my my rant there. I, I've ruined Christmas. So, so now we have figured out how to make Kef Tank shut up, right? Well, yeah, I just squeeze, just get a cat and get it to meow. Done. Yeah, yeah, just meow, no right? Worries. Well, look, cat. I swear <laughs> to God, <laughs> guys, I might wind up there. I've got a, a, another um, listener who I'm. Uh, uh, queuing up for the next call but look thanks so much to the two of you for coming on i really do appreciate the theory crafting side of things even though you know i my brain doesn't quite comprehend all of it i love to hear about it and i know a lot of the listeners do so thank you to both of you again for coming on kef dank i hope it's not the last time we hear from you um and, and quite frankly <laughs> uh despite the, the the cat issues but uh you know also Thaloris, you know we're going to be hearing back from you when we do paladins and i just want to say thank you so much to both of you thanks for having us it was, a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we've got another caller on the line now, and it's a return caller. Fred Monroe, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, it's a real pleasure. And I also want to thank you again for all those great interviews you did. Like, in particular, that Kevin Jordan one was really, like, it really shed a lot of light on, you know, what the developers were intended, especially the developers for the classes, really for from Well, I thought that was actually super interesting. No, no, my absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for listening. That was definitely one of the interviews that a lot of people seemed to um, respond to, and it really resonated with people in terms of some some of the interpretations that I've seen flying around on the forums now as a result of that. Um, you know, it, it really gave people a chance to kind of uh, read between the lines and and also get some better insight into the minds of the devs and the, and the philosophies that went into some of the class designs. So a lot of people really appreciated that. It's sort of uh, hearing things that they've wanted to hear for years and to have some of them finally confirmed was really quite cathartic to a lot of people so um no thank you for listening but uh you've obviously been on the show before and, and you know speaking of calls that resonated with people like that kevin jordan one you know please uh you know be aware that your call resonated with a lot of people as well i got a bit of feedback about <laughs> about your phone call last time we, we spoke for about half an hour on a number of things um we spoke about uh, uh warriors we talked we talked about shamans um and people got back to me and said like fuck me dead that guy knows his stuff and i was like yeah we got to get him back sometime so here you are and uh you messaged me with a topic that you'd like to hit on and that was something that i've actually um not really thought of or heard of much before and that was something that you refer to as the nostalgious mod pack what can you tell us about that <laughs> right I, I, yeah I, I think a mod pack you know i think a lot of people might use that as a pejorative term you know i don't mean any offense by it um i really the, the point is that you know, a lot of people, especially as private server players, when you know, they're thinking, oh, I want this game with no changes or anything like that, a lot of times they, they do sort of tacitly understand that, yes, I don't want any changes, really, except for some of these changes that Nostarius did, because they view it, I think, quite rightly, as pretty necessary changes um, to make sure that a 1.12 release of Vanilla WoW actually sort of works. Um, so I think, should, I, don't, I don't know if I should just go into it or... Yeah, you know, go for it. So I think, I think the first and probably the least controversial point is um, a progressive release. So, um, you know, in 1.12 in Vanilla WoW, all the content was out. I mean, that's, it's just that simple. Um, but that's a bit of a problem. You know, you don't want a game that has, you know, Nax out and has AQ out and has BWL out, has all the battlegrounds, all the rep rewards, and has all this great gear that's added to dungeons later on. 
early in the game because it really sort of disincentivizes running these earlier dungeons and these raids and sort of, you know, prevents this whole sort of progressive play through the game. Um, so I think that's sort of the first change that most people agree is necessary. Um, and, and it is a change because obviously using 1.12 talent spells mechanics when there's only like Molten Core and, you know, Nixie out is, is pretty different than how it actually was back in the day. Yep. Um, I guess just, just, just to go into some specific problems, I, I sort of alluded to these, but there's, there's tier uh, 0.5 quests, which have gear, which in a lot, for a lot of uh, characters is better than their tier one. Then there's these entry-level dungeons, Zolgarub, and to some uh, degree, AQ20. And then there's also gear that drops from trash in Naxxramas. So you wouldn't actually even need to clear any bosses in Nax, you could just farm some trash. And with all of these, you'd be able to get gear that's like way better than what you can get even in BWL. Uh, so that's a little bit of an issue. Um, and then also, uh, you know, so, so, so I guess sort of the way why, the reason why Nasarius in this progressive release uh, in particular was for that reason. But then they also went one step further and they actually released Dire Maul later because Dire Maul similarly has a lot of dungeon gear, which is better than some tier one gear, but is also more importantly better than all the other level 60 dungeon gear. So there's a lot of like, so for like casters in particular, if Dire Maul's out, it heavily disincentivizes them running um, Strat Undead, you know, Strat Live, Skolomance, uh, you know, uh, BRD, all those top-level dungeons. Basically, it would be much harder to find runs for them, and you wouldn't really have to run them if Dire Maul was out at the very start. So I think that's sort of the first uh, change, namely progressive release, that most people, you know, do think is necessary. But it is, you know, I think it's interesting to note, it is definitely a change from just a pure 1.12 server. Um I guess the, the second like sort of major change they did was they actually nerfed um, Gold Farm and Dire Maul, which is very important um, because there's basically a mage AOE Gold Farm. And then, of course, there's a famous um, Hunter solo tribute run, which people you know, might know of where a hunter can actually you know, dodge all of the enemies basically by using clever use of feign death and then eventually fight King Gordok at the very end of Dire Maul. It can actually solo him by basically running around uh, circles on his platform. It's it's kind of embarrassing for the king, but, uh, you know, you get the whole tribute chest yourself, which has five major mana pots, five major healing pots, and has gear that you can sometimes sell to people. It's like a rogue, for example, this Tarnished Elden Ring, or otherwise it's just gear that you can vendor just enchant. And you can make so much more money that way, along with the mage AOE farm, than any other farm in the game, that this leads to this gold inflation that basically ruins the economy on the server. So I think these two changes are like very uncontroversial changes that uh, Nost made that I think most people are in favor of. And there's more controversial ones, but I don't know if I should get into those. Now, in terms of some of those changes that they did make, uh, I know we, we touch on it all the time, sort of in Discord and things like that. Is there any one in particular that you're really hoping to see in Classic? Oh, well, I definitely progress a release. Um, I think I don't think this is necessary. This is like very a non-controversial position. Oh, yeah. But I think the game would be dead on the if there were not a progressive release. So oh, definitely. Yeah. If there were one change, I was hoping it would be that. Yeah. And that's still, to this day, my greatest shame. You know, when I first started the podcast, you know, even though I, I do say that um, I'm still learning about the game as we go along, um, even though I played back in the day, um, you know, I've come to learn so much more about the game, obviously, through osmosis by doing the show. But one of the positions I had very, very, very early on in single-digit episode numbers was like, I was like, I don't see the problem if they just release everything at the start. It's not like you can walk into Naxxramas on day one. Just <laughs> Blizzard said they don't want want to work on classic and and to be fair to myself my position was going by what blizzard has said in terms of we don't want to put too much time effort and resources into this thing 
if that was the case, then that would the easiest way to do that would be to dump everything on us and basically just go there. There's your classic idiots. We're out of here and just walk <laughs> away. Do you know what I mean? But obviously, I've I've come to learn and 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 have very politely been shown the error of my ways by a number of listeners. Going, you cannot possibly do that. And now I know the reasons why you can't. So I'm totally with you on that. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see when BlizzCon happens. I mean, there's no confirmation one way or the other if they're going to do that or not, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it's it's a presumption that we base on nothing, but it, it's the presumption sort of that is just spawned from that, well, it's just bad business if you don't do it that way. Right, exactly. If you do a trickle release, people are going to stay subscribed, you know? If, if Naxx is out the release, these best, you know, guilds are going to clear it. Uh, like, on a conservative estimate, very conservative, they're going to clear it the first month and a half. Mm. And it's like, okay, cool. Like now they're, they got their world first and now they're done playing. Mm. Like, you know, it's, um, and, and, you know, obviously the, the, uh, knock of, of the, the time now against Blizzard is that, you know, it's all about that time gated content and, and stuff like that. But, um, I think this is a little bit different, obviously, to what's happening in BFA that it, it seems a bit, um, unnecessary in BFA where I think it's actually more than necessary in classic. So I do see what you're saying now. In terms of BlizzCon, and, you know, we've been discussing a lot of BlizzCon lately on the show, obviously, with it being just around the corner. Are there any things that um, you're hoping for to be said or expecting from the demo or anything like that? Are you going to be jumping into the demo? Uh, I, I probably will not be jumping into the demo. The demo. I mean, I'm a bit, I, I am a bit busy right now. Yeah. Uh, I have more free time than I did last year, but you know, you know my situation here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, you know, uh, from what you said in the, the BlizzCon episode. I think, you know, you really covered most of the major things. I think really it'll, I'm, I'm just going to be, you know, really tuned in on that on that discussion and see if they really, you know, if, if they actually tell us anything about what we should expect regarding any changes. You know, again, progressive release, I, I really hope they would say that, you know, or something like that. Um, and then besides that, you know, um, from the demo itself, you know, the we hear on the discord, uh, you know, I wasn't the main part of it, but there was a big uh, compilation of like things to test. And I think one of the most interesting things to test, but perhaps this is just like my you know nerdy math side is it'd be interesting to see how the hit tables work. Yep. And I don't know if you've had someone, you know, go over how the hit tables work on the show, but if, if, if they work like they do on classic, this is going to determine a lot of like balance for the game. I'll just put it that way. I'll tell you, if you're happy to talk about it, we, we very, very lightly touched on it when we got the, the dev water cooler um, uh, announcement. But if you're in tune with it, I'm more than happy to touch on it now in terms of hit tables. Sure. Uh, I'm just going to give a, like the very, very quick explanation of it. So basically here's how the hit table works. And hopefully this makes more sense than maybe my uh, normalization uh, explanation. So basically, <laughs> Basically, how, how hit tables work is sort of imagine a raffle, okay? But there's only 100 tickets that can be sold, and the winner is, like, whatever hit's going to happen. So so what happens is, is that uh, people basically line up in, in order to buy these raffle tickets. So the first tickets go to miss. So whatever your miss chance is, those buy the first tickets. So if you have, like, a 20% miss chance, that buys the first 20 of the 100 tickets. Then dodge, uh, parry, and block in that order – come and buy the tickets. Then glancing blows come, and against a level uh, 63 mob, that's 40%. So, so you know, you, maybe you have 20% bought by miss if you're, like, dual-wielding and you have really bad hit, and then you have 6 bought by dodge block parry, and then you have 40 bought by, um, by glancing blows. 
uh, and then whatever's whatever's left is divided between crit and hit. So crit buys next, and then hit is basically just given away for free to whatever's left over at the end. So you know, imagine a very basic uh, table where you have you know you have you have a twenty percent miss chance, you have a twenty percent crit chance. Okay, so you have twenty percent uh, miss that buys the first twenty tickets. Then the next six tickets go to dodge. Then the next forty tickets go to uh, glance, and the next twenty go to crit. And so, what's your hit chance? Well, it's whatever's left over from twenty plus twenty plus forty plus six, uh, taken away from a hundred, which is fourteen, if I'm not mistaken. So, so that's that's how hit works. That's how hit table works. So, what's important to know there is basically the order of the tickets that, uh, in which they're bought. So, as you can see, your your crit cap in this scenario is only whatever's left over at the end. So, if you have if you have a forty percent uh, glance chance, and you have a twenty percent miss chance, and you have a six percent uh, dodge block parry chance, that's 66 right there. So your crit cap would only be 34%. Because basically once crit comes, there's only 34 tickets left to be sold to crit because it's very late in line. And so any extra crit would be wasted. But in that scenario, you could never get a regular hit. You can only crit or get a glancing blow or miss or dodge. I don't know if that made any sense, but that's just like the very quick and dirty explanation. No, no, no. Like you, you did fantastically well and, and much like your normalization uh, conversation with me, the second time I hear it, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Now, I'm just going to read something to you that came up in Twitch chat from um, previous uh, interviewee Viv, and I'm not sure if he's trying to state a correction or something you may have missed. I'm not sure, but tell me if this makes any sense to you when I read it back to you. He said, 27% mischance to, to white attacks with dual wield against level 63 by default without hit gear. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so what happens is um, your base chance to, to miss is 5% against an enemy of your level. Uh, and then basically there's very there's different formulas that are used. Uh, actually, Nost used one for its entire time, and then Elysium used it for half of its time and switched over to a different one. But basically the, the commonly accepted number is if you, if you have 300 weapon skill and you're fighting a mob with 315 defense skill, uh, your miss chance is 9%. Um, so that five goes to nine, depending on the actual math that's used there. And then dual wield adds a base 15% chance. So you have a 9% base miss um, without any hit, plus 15 from dual wields, which gives you a 24% max miss chance against a level 63 mob. I, I don't, he's, he was saying 27%. I mean, again, these private servers all use different math. Yes, 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 yes. But uh, as far as I'm aware, it's 15 base from... Uh, dual wielding penalty, and then nine is the maximum mischance. Assume me of three hundred weapon skill. So I would say twenty four is the max. I mean, again, it doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, it's the the, the point that what the actual hit is doesn't affect this the math of the the hit tables. The tables work that way, hmm. and you can play around with the hit. I mean, imagine if you have like a seventy percent mischance, for example, and you still had a forty percent glance chance. Well, in that situation, you could never crit because basically the seventy miss would buy the first seventy tickets, and then the glance would buy the remaining thirty. And then there'd be no, then like once, you know, uh, crit comes in line, he'd be like, sorry, man, I only had a hundred tickets and, you know, miss bought the first 70 and uh, glance bought the next 30. Right. So you can, you can play around the numbers. You can see how you can calculate the crit cap is basically whatever's left over from a hundred. Once you've got the 40% um, glance chance, which is against level 63 mob and whatever your miss chance and whatever the dodge chance is, which is 6.6. I must admit, I, I, I'm very thankful for the raffle analogy. That's something that will be very, very helpful when I listen to this a second time to digest it fully. But 
in saying everything that you've just said and the expl- and thank you again for that great explanation of the loot tables, realistically, I mean, are you expecting Blizzard to tinker with that at all? When you say you're in, intrigued to see if in the demo or anything like that, as a result of what we go through, if the loot tables remain unchanged, I mean, surely that's something that would be sacrosanct to, to, to Blizzard. I'm sorry, are we talking about the hit tables or the loot tables? Oh, sorry, sorry, the hit tables, I mean. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, well, again, so, so, so the question is, is, is it a change? Because what we have is we basically have this Mango's core, and then we have like these various posts we found on forums of people experimenting and trying to figure out for themselves what the, how the hit table actually worked in vanilla. So if it works totally different from a private server, it might not be that they've changed it from vanilla. It just might be that it's different than private servers because the private servers are wrong. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people are, are peeled on it. And I, and I think, again, I sort of alluded to this previously, but there's actually a lot of controversy over what happens when you get to 305 hit. So that so how Nostarius did it and how Elysium did it for the first half was basically, so so again, remember, if you have 300 hit versus a 315 defense skill enemy, which is, you know, your level 60 going against a level 63 mob or a boss mob, you have a 9% mischance. Some private servers, Nostarius did this, and Elysium did it for the first half, made it so that if you got 305 um, weapon skills so that the difference in weapon skill and defense skill is 10 or less, um, that actually changed the formula that was used for, for calculating hit, and it actually lowered your um, your 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 mischance from 9% to 6%, whereas uh, other formulas that were used for the second half of Elysium, and I imagine what Light Hope and, uh, you know, whatever that other, and North ALS server, I imagine what they use, um, if they're still using the same formula, would actually change it so that having five extra weapon skill, instead of giving you 3% hit, would give you 0.2% hit. And there's a bit of a difference between 3% and 0.2% hit, um, as, you, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, so, so I see this, and my first reaction isn't, oh, it's going to be a change, whatever comes out in the demo. My first reaction is, the private service has got it wrong if it's different uh, than what, what we sort of were guessing it was before. All right. Well, Fred Munro, thank you so much again for, for dropping in and, and just unleashing so much uh, amazing information. And, and it, it, I mean, as I say, it's information that's readily available to anyone who wants to go and look it up. But I, I do love the way that you explain it and you put it so succinctly and, and, and easily for us to uh, sort of wrap our heads around. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate it again. I'm certain it won't be the last time that we talk to you on the show. And, and, and thanks for calling in again. Oh, no, really. Thank you so much for having me. You're too kind. Okay, we've got another caller on the line now, and who is it that we're speaking with today? Uh, Valder, brother of Minoru, hanging out. Absolutely, Valder, thank you so much. We've been trying to tee up this call for some time, and as you mentioned, you are uh, the brother of Minoru, a, a regular on Countdown to Classic, and so uh, remind me at the end of this call, I'll have to get you to, to say something about Minoru that's a bit uh, teasing in nature while he's not here to defend himself. But until we get to that... <laughs> You've been brought on because I asked recently if anyone had, um, you know, much experience with reputation grinds in, in vanilla world of Warcraft. And thankfully, uh, you were more than ready to talk about that topic, having spent a, a fair bit of time, uh, doing those reputation grinds yourself. So one thing I would ask you just to kick off things generally is what can you tell the listeners about your experience with rep grinds in classic? Well, thinking back on it, I, 
mostly went for reps because I needed stuff to do. You know, we lived way out in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to do. So I was always looking for little things that I could always do. But when they came out with the insane title, I realized I may have gone a little too far because I was only missing one reputation from it already. I was only missing the Dark Moon Fair because that, frankly, is just a gigantic money sink and a huge time sink that I never really got around to doing. But for the most part, yeah, I'm thinking I'm pretty good on reputations. Okay, so why don't we you sort of you know beef up your cred a little bit and uh, and just talk people through in terms of exalted or what have you? Did you get exalted with everyone or, or what did you do? Was there one that got away? Well, weirdly enough, the only ones that I didn't hit exalted with were most of the PvP ones. Not because I didn't PvP, but because on Kodgar, the server we were on, Alliance just lost every time. And doing PvP even a dozen times every few days only got me a hundred rep each time or something like that. So mm. I just never got around to finishing them. Okay. And is is that something you'd be looking to correct when Classic comes around? Well, if the PvP balance is a little bit better on the server, then hell yeah, I want to finish off that little check mark. All right. Well, there's so many, obviously, reputations that you can grind throughout the game, and they all come with, uh, you know, certain rewards or perks or even just the ability to say that I did it. What's uh, one or two or several of your, your favorite uh, rep grinds in the, ga- in the game, and, uh, and why so? Well, the obvious one that I'm certain Minoru's brought up plenty is, well, the Blood Cell Buccaneers. Blood Cell Buccaneers, yep. Yeah, yeah. We are both uh, quite possibly the first or second Blood Cell admirals on our server. And it was all for that little hat that summoned a parrot. And it was just, it's just a neat little idea. All kinds of people were running by and calling me an idiot for killing the guards. And <laughs> it, being melee against those guards is kind of a nightmare because if you're not standing in just the right spot when they spawn, they'll pull out their guns. And the guns have this massive knockback to them that shoots you up into the air. And the moment one of them shoots you, they're all like, oh, shit, I can't find this guy. And they'll pull out their guns and they'll just pin you to a wall. You're just floating there waiting to die. There's nothing you can do. So outside of, outside of Blood Sail, anything else that you enjoyed? Well, I think most anything from a dungeon was super fun for me, but that's just because I really liked raiding. If you're wanting to do reputations, raiding's obviously a big part of it. And one thing I always got a bit of a kick out of is just how little they cared that you were completely destroying their enemies. Because Ragnaros himself only gives 200 reputation for the Hydraxian Waterlords. They don't give a shit that you killed them. So... In, in in terms of sort of frustrations that you've just raised, is there, outside of that, are, are there any rep grinds that you are absolutely shuddering at the thought of doing again? The Shendralar and Timbermaw hold, I think, and the Cenarian Circle too, if you're not a druid, that reputation's just a bit of a nightmare. It's just killing a bunch of Silithus and running AQ and Dire Maul and all them. Uh, Timbermaul is over-farmed because everybody wants their enchantments and patterns that you get and that little trinket that summons your little furball buddy. He's kind of useless, but he's nice to have. Hmm. Were there any rewards that you, I mean, outside of your lovely blood sale hat that gave you your little parrot friend, <laughs> were there any rewards that you felt were a must and, and you prioritized with terms, in terms of reputation grinds? As much of a pain as it was to get Darkmoon Fair up to Exalted, uh, most every class has a best-in-slot from the decks that you get from turning in the deck uh, relevant to your class. I think for Warriors, uh, it wasn't Deck of the Beast. I think that was the one that gave you a te- damage on a hit, something like that. But 
Darkmoon Fair, the cards are always really big. Thorium Brotherhood giving you the uh, the hammer of Ragnaros. I can't quite call it what it was. It's not the not the hand of Ragnaros yet, but the one you get right before that to combine with the Eye of Sulfurus. The Sulfurin hammer. I just <laughs> looked it up real quick. Are there any kind of tips that you would give to people who maybe have never played vanilla or never played, um, you know, uh, never gone through, let's say they either haven't played the game at all or they've played the game but they haven't played vanilla and they're new to all this reputation stuff. Any any tips that you would say, you know what, this is the one that you should really go for first if you're a bit of a beginner because it's a bit of fun, it's got a good reward, anything like that? The one that I think is still really handy for everybody is going to be your AV reputation. As much as people seem to hate AV, getting the immovable objects, the unstoppable force, it was the cheapest mount to get at the time. That's why I went up to uh, get it. I wanted that RAM, and I I ran with it. That's definitely would be my first go-to for any fresh 60. Or I think you can go into AV at 51 to 55. Mm-hmm. So definitely that. In terms of, did you happen to raid Naxxramas at all? Uh, I was exalted with um, the Argent Dawn yes. when Naxxramas came out, so I could go in there, but my guild wasn't quite up to snuff quite yet. The only boss that I killed in there is Mr. Bigglesworth. Well, I was going to say that the Argent Dawn rep grind is one that, at least in my mind, seems to get mentioned the most because we obviously hear from so many raiders who wanted to get to Nax and they do their thing with the Argent Dawn. Is there anything in particular, that any fond memories that you have or anything, any commentary you had in regards to gaining that rep with the Argent Dawn? Well, Argent Dawn itself isn't a very complicated reputation. It's just a bit annoying. Yeah. But being a tank, as I was at the time, everybody wants to run Skullamance or Sholamance or Stratholm or Human or Undead Side, and all of those will give reputation for Argent Dawn. And most people hit 60 in Eastern Plaguelands anyway. I personally hit it in Silithus, but that's just because I like bugs. In terms of your plans for Classic, so you... you been there you've done it all before are you are you going to do it all again or are there some reps that you've now said you know what i'm just not putting in the time it wasn't worth it i've got my ones on my list circled and the others can just go away i definitely think i'm going to be getting as much as i can up to exalted again just because i like the grind it's a nice simple thing put on a podcast put on a video on your second monitor and just zone out and go for it plus to me, the idea of reputations is kind of ingrained in the character. I don't think I thought of this when I was younger and I was farming them, but in my mind, the character you're playing is supposed to be a hero, right? And people like heroes. And if a hero just walks into town, knocks over someone's dinner and says, pay me five gold, I killed a kobold, then <laughs> he's not he's not a hero. A hero sticks around. He solves everyone's problems. He helps everyone out. And getting too exalted is just kind of like in my little headcanon, a way for your character to actually be a hero. It is a funny way that the day, the game deals with it in terms of the way in which you're, you know, if you're 
thinking role-playing or even if you're just thinking narrative, the way in which your character interacts with the NPCs in regards to these reputations. Because, you know, Mad Season raised a great point in a relatively recent video of his regarding the Argentorn, at the Argentorn, where he says, um, you know, it's, it's so odd that uh, we have to grind and get reputation up with this faction just in order to win the right to go and save the world for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, the Hydraxian Waterlords are the sworn enemies of Ragnaros, and they give you just the, the littlest pittance of reputation for killing the guy. It's like they don't even really care. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Thanks for that. <laughs> Yeah, he'll come back in a week. Don't worry about it. But hey, I mean, it's nice. <laughs> All right. Well, look, thank, thanks so much for, for giving us a little bit. Of, I just wanted to have, obviously, a bit of a brief uh, gloss over of reputations and remind everyone that they are a thing. They're coming back in classic. They can be a bit of fun. So be sure to do your research on your rewards and, and um, you know, take the time to invest in, in what you think is worth it. But now that we've covered that a little bit, um, just one thing before you go. So let's talk Minoru for one second. I, I, we won't get too <laughs> we won't get too nasty. We won't get too personal. But you're his brother. You've grown mm-hmm. up with him. You've played the game with him around. Um, have there been any big fights over it? Any big disagreements? Any um, issues in game with each other? Me and him actually shared an account, and we handled that in a bit of an interesting way. Just don't tell the mods about it, I guess. <laughs> um, I personally used my money to buy the GameCube when it came out. And what we'd wind up doing is we'd trade percentages ownership of the GameCube in exchange for days of wow time. Like, oh, no, I really want to raid this Thursday, but that's his day because we alternated. It'd be like, I'll give you 5% of the GameCube if you let me play that day. Ah. And when time came for college, I had 51% ownership. I took the GameCube. It's sitting right behind me still. <laughs> Very good. All right, Valda. Well, look, thanks so much for calling in. I really do appreciate it, and we hope to hear from you again in the future. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you kindly. Okay, we've got another caller on the line now, and who are we speaking with today? Uh, this is Matt. So go by Bazell or Dark Phenomenon over Skype, or sorry, Discord. Thanks so much for calling in, Matt. Now, um, if the listeners aren't aware, the, the, the listeners in Discord may well know about this one, but we were uh, hoping um, to get you in on a group call with Neil and Vivian Palfuris uh, just last week about uh, BlizzCon, but unfortunately uh, you, you couldn't make it in the end after all. But I'm glad that we've got you here today because um, much like Neil uh, yourself, you're a, a developer for a mysterious AAA studio, um, and you've obviously got some insights from within the industry as to what you might be expecting um, at BlizzCon, and, and I presume as well, obviously, you're probably a, a big World of Warcraft classic fan if you're involved in the discords and all that jazz, and you might have some thoughts of your own. So I guess I'll start with this one. I'm not sure if you may have heard that chat that I had with Neil Palfuris and, and Viv, but did you have any... Um, expectations from blizzard in regards to the kind of information that we might be getting at blizzcon uh, well i'm kind of i kind of echo i did listen to it i kind of echo neil's response when he's kind of surprised how far along they are and they'll actually have a demo we can try 
So, so when you hear things like like a demo being ready as a developer yourself, you know you, you obviously would have some idea of what goes into these things. When you say you were surprised, um, and Blizzard themselves have said it's a bit unprecedented to give people a takeaway demo like this, um, it, would that be uh, something that would be particularly difficult on their ends to run, or do you have any a, a commentary on that? Depending on the time in the development cycle, it depends. I know the big thing with Classic was getting the infrastructure up and running. And if they have a demo, it sounds like they have that up and running. So with the demo being announced, did that adjust the line at all for you in regards to release dates? Yeah, I think it could potentially be out earlier. It's hard to say because the big thing with developing games is one, developing the systems and the features and then all the assets that go into a game. So assets, there's usually a lot more of them, but you can kind of dogpile people on it depending on how many people you want to bring on. So like if you're creating art assets, you can bring more artists, right? So you can speed that up. Systems and features, on the other hand, generally take a set amount of time. Kind of more cooks in the kitchen doesn't really cook a chicken any faster. So originally I was thinking around the end of the year, next year, sorry, 2019, um, with them having the demo, depending how much content they still have to do, because I know they mentioned updating databases. So if they only have, like, say, two characters in the game and two zones, there's a ton of other database upwork, or updating they'd have to do. Like, you got professions, dungeons, raids, like, all the other content. I don't know how long it's going to take and how many people they have. So, But if the systems are up, I'd say that's probably the majority of the work they have to do. Um, I could see anywhere to summer all the way to the end of the year, whereas originally I was saying end of the year, like November at the earliest. Now I could see it maybe summerish. Okay, now we we do talk about sort of the size of the task at hand, and it's been something that people love to comment on, including myself, who have absolutely no fucking idea what they're talking about because we're not involved in the industry at all. And people say, you know, we're going back now almost a year in time for people speculating like, ah, Classic couldn't be that much work. They've got the code. They can just whip it up in a second. And obviously here we are a year later, and that's not quite the fact. But in terms of the difficulty that was before um, in front of Blizzard in taking on this project and how much might be left to go. As a developer yourself, do you sort of think, God damn, like, I, I, I'm surprised they took their project on. That would have been a shitload of work. Or are you on the opposite side saying, this shouldn't have fucking taken this long? What are they dragging their feet on? I'm definitely not surprised how long it took. I know generally from project to project, they will update the engine they're on, and that's just like a year difference. So when I heard they were taking a 13-year-old game, I thought they were taking the old engine and having to update 14 years worth of tech and hardware updates, and I was like, I don't even know how the hell they're going to do it. It sounds like a crazy task. But they seem to think they have a way to use the new... It sounds like they're using the new client and just modifying it to pull old vanilla data, which seems like a lot less work, and it seems like they've got most of that done, so it's really hard to say what exactly they're doing and how much kind of infrastructure and tech update they're doing or not. It's, it's, I can see it going a lot of different ways, and as a developer not knowing what they're doing, it's really hard for me to kind of know what they're doing, what challenges they have left, and how much work they have left to do. Mm-hmm. Now, just focusing on the demo a little bit, what are, are you going to be um, buying the virtual ticket and getting involved in the demo at all? Uh, yeah, I bought the virtual ticket before they even announced a classic demo. Okay, so now knowing that you'll have access to the demo when that was announced, 
coming from the angle that you'll be coming at it from, are you sort of thinking or wondering at all how they're going to do it? Or is it going to be the case? So, I mean, because obviously there's speculation out there like, oh, okay, they've pretty much, um, you know, uh, insinuated that we're going to get two zones apparently, two, um, you know, iconic zones. Everyone's saying it's probably going to be L1 Forest and Duratar is the best guess, and it is still just very much so a guess. But would you be surprised to see that it's literally just those zones walled off, no access anywhere else? Or do you think that maybe they people have said that maybe they'll just um, uh, depopulate the rest of the world and we might have free reign, but only those two zones would be populated and have anything in them? I mean, it's so hard to say. What are you expecting? I expect the zones to be blocked off. I don't expect us to be able to venture outside of the zones they've allowed us to check out in the demo. And so what are your plans for the demo once you get access? Do you do you know there's a certain class you want to try out? Do you want to see how combat works? Do you want to uh, sort of see if there's obviously been any changes or anything like that? What are you most excited to find out first with the demo? I think the most thing I'm excited to find out is if they have stuff like dynamic, dynamic spawning or any kind of changes to help the uh, start or the launch of the game to kind of spread it out. Oh, it's a great dry run for them, isn't it? That's huge, yeah. It's Because it's the head start that I, I guess they probably needed because that's been one of the bigger questions with all these, you know, if people do happen to play private servers and people who have been involved in, who have been involved in the launch of private servers, obviously those numbers are vastly inflated from anything that was Blizz-like on a, on a server of Blizzards, you know, around that two and a half to three and a half thousand, um, population cap that people say, um, you know, sometimes you get 10, 15,000 people trying to log into a private server at launch and things of that nature. But, um, it will be interesting to see how it's all handled and when we're all just dropped in on day one which is going to come with classic there's going to be a day one we're all going to be there how are they going to handle it i I, do expect dynamic dynamic respawns i'm kind of on the fence i would like to see some kind of dynamic respawn or sharding or phasing just in the starting zones until people spread out but I don't know if I expect it. I know a lot of people will be kind of upset if sharding is anywhere in Classic. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are very outspoken about that. So I want to see one thing, but I don't. I'm kind of on the fence if I actually expect it. Well, it's, I mean, interesting note on sharding. You are right that it seems like the vast majority of people are quite anti any kind of sharding being in the game. And if obviously if people aren't aware of what sharding is, it's when they basically. I mean, I'm going to, you'll be able to explain this far better than I will, but effectively displacing people who are on the same server into different non, I wouldn't describe it as an instanced area, but you're essentially taken somewhere else, even though you're in the same area where it makes it a bit easier for your, um, the server to uh, process. Um, but now that was probably the worst explanation of sharding of all time. But anyway, um, with you being pro sharding just in the starting areas, um, are you absolutely sort of hopeful that they'll do it when classic drops and, and that's it? Just those one to 10 zones. Yeah. Just the starting zones. Um, I also wouldn't mind if they only have it in for a couple of weeks until kind of the initial rushes passed and then remove it. I, kind of wouldn't mind that as well actually mm. oh, it's always interesting to hear people uh, argue for all points like um it, it might be an unpopular opinion but it's certainly something that might make a lot of uh have a lot of common sense behind it uh, from blizzard's point of view um so it will be interesting to see what we get but um if i can sort of turn just quickly to your work as a, as a developer and 
it's interesting because I've now had a few um, big devs come on the show. It's not just Neil. There's been a, a couple of people come on now, and and many of them work for for studios that we can't name. And and I can assure the listeners that everyone who's come on who's identified as a dev works for a uh, a very uh, a big name in the industry. But the way in which you view World of Warcraft, do you find that working in the, in the industry? makes you far more critical than the average fan? Are you able to lose yourself in a game and just enjoy it as a fan? Or do you just sort of sit there and analyze it and go, oh, they fucked up this scripting and and I know what happened here? And do you know what I mean? Do you take it to the nth degree with how you view a game? No, I kind of shut off my work brain when I play games. I'm in very different mindsets when I'm at work and when I'm kind of casually playing a game for fun. It's funny because <clears throat> I'm similar to Neil. I'm not actually a fan of the games my company makes. So right. they're, they're different styles of games. Mm. So what do you gravitate towards in terms of like, are there um, certain uh, are there certain um, genres that you just stick to? Like, do you just stick to MMOs or you play a bit of everything? I'm a little well-rounded. Um, I actually get motion sickness, so I can't play any shooters with stuff like Half-Life or any any kind of the popular shooter games I can't play. I actually will vomit if I play them for any length of time. Really? So uh, that, that must stop you, obviously, from, I'm presuming, do, can you still work on them? In limited aspects, yes. It's funny, when I first started working 16 years ago, the very first title I was on was kind of a shooter title. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, how funny. That must have been a fun one to explain to the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, It was interesting. It's actually, the game I had there was all shooter. They had one sub-level, so it was more driving. So I'm like, oh, I can do that one. Give me that level. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, look, uh, last question before we go. Out of interest, what, what class are you most emotionally invested in that you'll probably be starting up first for the demo? I'll probably start with the priest back in vanilla and all the way up until cataclysm. I actually two boxed a priest and a warrior. So I'll be doing that when uh, classic actually launches, but for the demo, I'll be starting out with a priest. Okay. Well, you just, again, sorry, I, I keep promise. I always do this to people. I promise them I'll let them go. And then you say something that makes me want to ask another question. You talked about two boxing and, 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 and multi-boxing is something that we haven't really talked about um, on the show before. Is, is that something you like to spend a lot of time doing? I do. I started in vanilla because, uh, as you're probably aware, leveling a warrior alone, there's a lot of downtime and it can get pretty slow. Mm-hmm. So adding a priest to it, it just it was so much better, so much more convenient, so much quicker, almost no downtime. I just I, I couldn't go back to playing a warrior without a heal bot after that. Mm-hmm. Now. For anyone who might be looking into getting into multi-boxing, do you find it sort of a, a difficult thing to, to get into at the start, or it's it's relatively self-explanatory? I don't do a lot of complicated multi-boxing. I've only done two. I haven't done like a full party of five or run dungeons. So I actually just have two PCs, two mice, two keyboards, and I set like a row of macros with my priest to basically follow, to assist, and basically cast a bunch of spells at my warriors targeting. So it's pretty simple the way I'm doing it, and it's actually pretty easy to get into. I can already assure you that it's well beyond me as the filthy casual fan that I am. But look, thanks so much for calling in. I know it's late where you are. I won't take up too much of your time. And um, and we hope to speak to you again in the future. And maybe we'll get Neil in on the call next time. And uh, we'll, we'll get a bit of a dev breakdown of, of maybe uh, Classic when it drops. That sounds great.
And that's the show for the day, everyone. Countdown will be back next week, coming to you from sunny California, as we'll sneak in one or two more episodes pre-BlizzCon, so we'll just see how it all goes. I'd love to record some live chats with fans while I'm out and about in LA and Anaheim, and I've got some recording equipment with me. Now, it won't sound 100% the same quality as usual, so please do bear with me while I'm away, but it's pretty damn close to it, so I'm sure you'll all still be happy, hopefully with what I can push out while I'm on safari in California. California. So wish me luck as I jump on this brutal 14-hour flight with my dungeon companion and sleeping tablets in hand to keep me company. But just before I let you go, I just want to shout out to some very dedicated patrons of Countdown to Classics. So, shout out to Flozy B, Palfurus, Permadrunk, Rarebit, Romani, Tsunami, The Anton, Wilson Ma, and Velarco. Thank you so much for your phenomenal support of the show. Countdown to Classic would not be the same without your support. And also a big thank you to supporters Bossman764, Herbert, Good Kisser, Myrtle Banks, Purgatos81, Tim B, and Zudamos, as always. That's it from me for the day, everyone. So, signing off from down under as I'm about to get on a plane to the old US of A. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>